0: It's how we teach our clients to get executive decision makers to buy without being salesy or spammy. Here's our host, the co-founder and CEO of Centricity, Jay Kingley. I'm
1: Jay Kingley, the co-founder and CEO of Centricity. Welcome to another episode of our best kept secret show, where I'm happy to welcome Guy Powell. Guy is the founder and CEO of ProRelevant. Guy and his team help medium to large corporations measure quantitatively the effectiveness of their marketing with a focus on how the consumer makes purchase decisions. He's the author of four books with the latest, The Post-COVID Marketing Machine, being a number one bestseller on Amazon. Guy is based in Atlanta, Georgia.
2: Guy, welcome to the show. Hi Jay, great to be here, and definitely look forward to talking about marketing effectiveness. Thanks,
1: Guy, and you know I'm really excited for our discussion today. As a as an engineer, someone who was trained in the art of engineering, what was drilled into my head was the importance of getting the right data. Analyzing that data and drawing the appropriate conclusions, and let the data talk to you. Keep your emotion and your biases out of it. And then later on, I did a lot of consulting, particularly on the revenue generating side of the house, to large multinationals and large domestic corporations, larger mid market companies. And one of the things that always surprised me on the marketing side was how many, how so many of these companies really evaluated their marketing based on intuition, their gut, their sense of how things were. And yes, they would sometimes put hard metrics around it, but when you looked at the hard metrics, I mean, it was data, it was numbers, but, you, but so often it failed the, what I call the so what test. How does looking at these metrics guide my decision making in terms of what marketing I should and shouldn't do along all the different variables of that? Now, as someone who has spent a big part of their career wrestling with this issue, I got to ask you, Guy, what is so hard about taking a data driven analytical approach to measuring market effectiveness and why do so many companies, including our best and brightest, continue to struggle with this area?
2: Yeah, there's definitely, uh, and you touched on a couple of those points, uh, lar- many companies, larger brands, smaller ones, data is 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 a challenge. And uh, getting data uh, in the right way, in the right format, without any holes, is, is, a, is a big challenge. And then getting it in the time that a uh, marketer needs it. Marketers are responsible for selling i mean in most of the cases they are the primary driver of the top line of the business and for them to make good decisions they need data they need it now and they need it complete and then they need it you know properly analyzed using the right techniques and things like that and it's usually around the data that uh, a lot of them fail and then they uh they seem to take a, a shortcut and, you know, and then do that, like you're saying, is uh, make a decision based on, on gut feel.
1: You know, let me, let me take the, the poor marketers side in this argument, you know, Guy, I, I appreciate what you're saying, but the truth of the matter is so much of what we do isn't really measurable in any kind of a detailed sense. So that there are some things which are qualitative, which you do have to use experience and, you know, even expertise in order to make a subjective judgment. And, you know, how do you respond to that counterargument?
2: Well, my response is uh, basically a story. And I was sitting with the CMO of an airline uh, in Southeast Asia. And he said, he said to me, uh, Guy, I don't think you can measure the marketing effectiveness of an airline. And I thought about it for a couple of seconds and whether I should take a, you know, kind of a hard line or a soft line. And I said, I'm going to go for it. And I threw my wallet down on the table and it thumped and I thumped it on purpose. And, uh, and I said, I bet you that everything that you do in marketing can be measured. And he, you know, kind of jumped back, pushed his chair against the wall. (laughs) <laughs> and he, and I let him sit there for a little bit. And, uh, and then after he kind of stood, it was probably only a couple of seconds, even though to me, it felt like it was maybe, you know, 10 or 20 seconds. And he, um, uh, and I finally let him off the hook and I said, I didn't tell you how much it's going to cost because what's critical is, uh, if you're going to use data and analytics to determine, you know, your effectiveness, there's always a cost involved. And, you know, there is no such thing as a free lunch. And and then he realized that and uh, and he realized that, yes, he is going to have to invest some of his marketing budget in measurement and analytics and, and in data to be able to really make significantly better marketing decisions.
1: So, Guy, I guess the, the punchline to that story is he had to match the five dollars that was in your wallet uh, because you certainly won that bet. Um,
2: Thank you, Jay.
1: Yeah, no worries, Guy. You're you're a big spender. Um, but it really sets up what I think is a great segue into the thing that I am wondering, which is, all right, so this idea that marketing is a seat of the pants, it's about a particular individual's experience and, and gut and subjective sense of the world is clearly false. So how do you think about the right way to measure the effectiveness of marketing.
2: Yeah, we've found um, that quite often uh, recognizable brands uh, do things wrong. And uh, what, is, what w- seems to be missing is that uh, they're not really looking at how a consumer makes a purchase decision. Now, in an ideal world, what, what a marketer would love them to do is to see your ad, go to the website click on the button and buy it right there. But unfortunately, that isn't the way a consumer makes a decision. Uh, What a consumer typically uh, needs to do is, first of all, they have to be aware. So what that means is I really need to look at each level in the purchase funnel and see how my marketing affects that full purchase behavior as that consumer moves to becoming aware, to driving purchase intent, to building consideration. And then finally, Going to the website or going into the store, and then actually plunking down uh, that five dollars in my wallet and and buying that 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 product that they are that they're interested in. So it really uh, is a kind of a strategic change in the way that they're thinking. They need to stop thinking about just what causes a conversion, but they really need to think about that whole purchase funnel from awareness all the way down to purchase.
1: So you're if, I, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's about putting at the center of your universe how it is that consumers are making that purchase decision and then measuring how your marketing is working against that Central objective. So, are, are we talking about looking at different channels that reach uh, customers? Are we talking about you know evaluating messaging? What what part of marketing are you really looking at to understand how you're being effective?
2: Yeah, it's it's everything, uh, Jay. And you're absolutely right about you know putting that consumer, the view of that consumer, right in uh, right in the center of your thinking. Um, you know, it's not just about one marketing channel, whether that's online. It's looking at all channels. It's looking at all different creative concepts. It's looking at the combination of marketing and media with pricing. So one thing that's kind of going on now is that, you know, there are a lot of supply issues. Uh, you know, there's a lot of ships that are stuck trying to get their their, their goods unloaded in LA. And so if I'm a, um, if I'm a manufacturer and I don't have enough product to sell, then, you know, I could either stop advertising or I could potentially advertise even more, but uh, make up for that with higher prices so that the demand, which might be reduced is uh, matched up with what they're able to supply. And with that, then be able to uh, nevertheless be able to generate more revenue, more profit, and then potentially grow the brand at the same time. So it's really understanding uh, all the levers that a marketer has, its product price, place and promotion, in addition to really putting right at the focus, right at the, you know, that core uh, of your efforts as to how that consumer is making their purchase decisions.
1: And and Guy, without wanting to get into too much technical detail, you've really described a multi-dimensional array of variables in data. Some of them are going to be correlated in various ways against each other. It it sort of has a flavor for me that on the analytical side, we're not just talking a simple Excel spreadsheet that a junior analyst builds to figure this all out. What what are some of the techniques that you need to deploy to effectively tease out cause and effect and understand the Mm -hmm. impact that all these different marketing variables have.
2: Yeah, exactly, Jay. It is. Uh, it's really critical, um, and we've noticed that as well uh, with a with a you know a lot of clients. You really do uh, need to think about what those analytic methods are, and uh, you know that could be machine learning, it could be artificial intelligence, whatever they are. Uh, but what the best clients seem to be doing, though, is really matching those analytics with really good, solid, timely, timely data.
1: Making this shift along the lines that you're saying has got to, and and, and I think this will resonate with you as somebody who's a numbers guy, an analytics guy, it has got to drive business results. So as companies, as you've seen companies make this switch in their thinking and how they look at the effectiveness of marketing. What, what's happening to the key drivers of the business as a result?
2: Well, if, it, if it's not driving uh, the brand, if it's not driving sales, uh, then, you know, then, then marketing is somehow doing something wrong. And so um, one of the things that we've seen is uh, if you can really do a good job with your uh, analytics, even with a, you know, a company in the, you know, $5 billion, maybe $7 billion range per year, uh, over the uh, we've done some work where we've actually generated about a billion dollars uh, in incremental sales for them and done that at a, at a very good profit. So it really does pay off. And uh, and, and that investment uh, in, in time, money and analytics and data uh, can really, really have a big ROI. We kind of call that the ROI of ROI so uh, if the roi and the metrics aren't paying off and it doesn't have an roi then you know then you have to work to make sure that it uh, that it does
1: we all know the old saying that you make decisions emotionally and you justify it with the numbers let me explore a bit you know let's say you're a cmo you've got a lot on the line talk to me about emotion, the emotional issues that that marketing executive is feeling and how does having a more quantitative focused approach around measuring the effectiveness of what you're doing how's that going to make my life better
2: yeah absolutely and and uh, you know the CMO's job is absolutely on the line and this is especially true for uh you know recognizable brands uh, large brands that you'd see on you know advertised on tv it is typically the cmo that is totally responsible for driving the top line if he fails uh then the company fails and so when they're sitting around you know the 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 boardroom or they're sitting around the executive table and the other uh members of the c-suite are complaining about sales they all look to that, that, that CMO and his butt is on the line. And if he fails, everybody else at that table fails, they all lose their bonuses. And so they are the first to look at that CMO. And, and as you know, Jay, the, the tenure of the CMO is one of the shortest amongst all those people at the, uh, in the C-suite. And so if he is not really driving revenue, then he's failing. And analytics and marketing uh, effectiveness and really understanding how marketing drives incremental sales—it's what is what it's all about for him. And if he can get that right, uh, the bonuses for him are, you know, can be in the six figures. The options for him can be in the seven, you know, seven figures or higher. And he can really, really make a difference for the company. And, and it, in, in my opinion, he's the he's the guy that. That really drives the business. And uh, but, you know, when you're the driver of the business, then, you know, your butt is on the line and and he's you know, if, if he's not doing it, if he's not doing it right, he's sweating bullets. And so with data and analytics, he can get it right.
1: And and not just, I, I think, in the financial sense, but reputationally, um, the types of brands you're talking about, your success and failure as a CMO, very public and, you know. That you don't you want to you don't want to go out and have uh, you walk into a restaurant and have everybody whispering. Isn't that the guy that failed and got his butt kicked out of, you know, big company X?
2: That is absolutely true. And, uh, you know, and if they uh, do lose that and if they aren't doing what they they need to 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 make those numbers, then you're right. They end up, uh, you know, out on the street and getting the next job. If they lose, if they don't do it right, is a lot more difficult. If they do it right, then they can write their ticket. They can, you know, they can move on. One of our, uh, you know, one of my friends, he was uh, he was CMO, and he absolutely did a great job. Was able to achieve twenty five, thirty five percent growth every year, and uh, he ended up more or less retiring. Nice new house, paid cash for a multi million dollar house, and he's now president of a of a new company, and that is kind of the good side. And the bad side is, is uh, you know, when you go to a restaurant, you don't want people kind of talking about you there and say that was the guy that, that didn't quite make it.
1: Or all those articles that people love to write, you know, on LinkedIn and Medium, you know, here's the top 10 marketing failures and have your name appear in print and memorialized forever on a list like that. Now, Guy, incredibly, I think, compelling arguments in order to have anyone responsible for marketing really change their thinking and understand that you're not marketing if you're not measuring the effectiveness, that old saying, are you, wondering you how can't much longer manage what you, have you don't measure and chase for every and managing the top client. line of any business like is so got to be job a
0: one. So
1: if I'm that CMO makers? and I'm looking at well, you as an expert in program, this space and I'm saying, okay, guy, what are the couple, three, four, five things that I need to do in order to get on the path that you're recommending?
2: Yeah, uh, what we've seen is, uh, and what we recommend is, is, is basically a, a four-step process. The first one is is developing the, uh, the business question and really understanding the nuance underneath that business question. And sometimes it has to be that there's trade-offs between what you'd really like to have versus the data that you have today versus what you really like to have and maybe get that data you know, 12 months from now. Uh, that's step one. Uh, and and really understanding that step two then is uh data 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 it's a four letter uh it's a four letter word for a reason and data is not free data costs money getting it right is uh, is a problem getting it complete having it validated and really matching that data specifically to that business question is is pretty critical uh that was step two step three then is Although it's not the easiest thing, you really really need some good uh, smart folks and and they're out there and and a lot of a lot of companies have good uh, data scientists and uh, data analytics folks and uh, they can do the marketing uh, analytics using either machine learning today or artificial intelligence or some combination of all those things. Uh, but what we've found is that uh, most of the effort of any of this work that that gets put in, and and sometimes that's one of the fears that the CMO might have is that most of the work that you put in is on the uh, on the data side, and uh, and then secondarily, of course, the analytics is important. And the type of analytics uh, is is also important. But really, the bulk of the work is then on, on data, data, data. Uh, the last step is then, you know, once you've run these uh, analytics, uh, you know, what good are they? Unless you can really get the insights out of them. And that's then where, uh, you know, kind of the business analyst, the business consultant can uh, support that analyst to make sure that the CMO's business question is being answered specifically with the data that they have using the right kind of analytics to be able to say, you know, go right, not go left or go straight or, you know, spend more, spend less. And so those are the four steps, business question, data, uh, analytics, and then uh, insights and, and recommendations that come out of it. You've given us a real wake
1: up call to change our approach to marketing. And I, I think I can speak on behalf of our audience, um, a welcome wake up call. But we're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, we're gonna learn a bit more about Guy.
0: And ...the decision makers you need by spending less time doing all the things you hate. It's not cold calling, cold email, cold outreach on LinkedIn or any other social media, or even spending money on ads. But it does have a 35 times higher ROI than any of those things leveraging your expertise and insights at your prospects and network value. The best part, even though you'll see results in 90 days, you get to work with the Centricity team for an entire year to make sure you have all the pieces in place and working so you can start having freedom of time and a life outside of your business. So email time at centricityb2b.com to schedule an 18 minute call to learn more.
1: Welcome back. Let's take this opportunity to learn a bit more about Guy. Guy, let me get started by asking you, uh, ProRelevant, what are the pain points that you typically solve? And Obviously, in addition to some of the things that you mentioned uh, earlier, for your target market? And why is it that they struggle to do that themselves and need to reach out to a company like yours?
2: Yeah, I think there's uh, there's three things. Uh, one of them is uh, they don't have the capacity. Uh, one of the problems uh, with uh, marketing analytics is that you do it maybe once a quarter, maybe once a half year. And in the meantime, then what do those analysts do? And uh, this is a, a very specific skill that they need. And so they may not have the, uh, the skills on board, or even if they have the skills on board, then during the interim when the modeling is not being done, then that analyst is, is bored. And so it has to do kind of with matching the skills uh, that are available with the skills that you have. And then secondly, it's also the capacity uh, that you might have. You might want to be able to do it. You might have the, the skills to be able to do it, but you don't have the capacity or the time because there's just so many other priorities. And, uh, you know, so in that, in that sense, then we help to augment your staff so that uh, these kinds of projects can, uh, can get done. The last one, though, is, is uh, I think uh, one of the big ones is, is understanding uh, and having done enough of these projects to really understand how you go through those four steps uh, that we just talked about. Uh, data, uh, you know, is a four-letter word. I keep uh, saying that for a reason. And we have developed uh, a specific data framework that really helps to make sure that all the data is collected and it's collected on time and vetted and and validated. And the last thing is uh, we don't give up easily. Uh, Just as a quick story, we're working with a furniture company. And I would say that over the, uh, the first five weeks of the project, I said, boy, it would be really great if we had this data. And they said, oh, we just don't have it. Can't find it. We don't have that. And, you know, as as you know, just kind of as the outsider, which kind of tests the assumptions of the insiders is that say, you know, it'd be really good if we had that. And the next week, boy, it'd be really good if we had that. You know, what kind of data would be good? It'd be really good if we had this particular data. Well, in this particular case with this furniture company, after five weeks, they said, I think we found it. (laughs) And they actually had the data. And it was complete, and it was good data. And so, uh, you know, it it it, uh, it 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 does have to do with uh, with that data and uh, getting that data, and then uh, and getting it so that you can really and truly be able to answer the business question, which is what the CMO needs. And the CMO is not asking for it for his own personal gratification; he's doing it because his butt is on the line. The C-suite is looking at him and saying, "Where's my revenue?" And he's got to be able to deliver. And so then, if you can figure out that uh, you know, and figure out how to get that data, then uh, then you're going to really be able to help that CMO uh, defend those against those arrows and really grow the business.
1: One of the things, Guy, in a particular word that I heard you use time and again is the word skill. And doing what it is that you do requires considerable skill and expertise. Now, when you're on the client side, one of your big concerns, if I bring in, a third party is how do I know that I'm getting a firm that has that skill, that has that expertise, that has that mindset that's going to get us through the journey that you talked about? So I think in your case, a very critical question to you is what makes you and ProRelevant really great at what you do? Because ultimately. That is what I am looking to hire as a CMO.
2: Yeah, and there's uh, three dimensions to uh, to your question. The first is uh, having done it before, and have and really knowing how to how to ask those questions, and that and then just being tenacious. Uh, like I said, on with this furniture company uh, on on the data and, and really getting that right. The second thing is uh, we have a world class analytics team and and that what that means is that when you're applying the machine learning and the artificial intelligence you're not going to get these kind of weird answers you're going to get really well vetted analytics answers and uh, so one of my partners just to you know kind of give you a feel he's on the uh, the UN big data commission he is one of the guys that defines stuff for the United Nations now the last piece, though, is uh, it doesn't do you any good, and this was the fourth step in my process. It doesn't do you any good if you get all this analytics and you got a great model and you can, you know, you can give out all these things, unless they can be operationalized. And that's kind of where our uh, consulting expertise and the fact that we've done this, you know, tw- hundreds of times, and we really understand that there are challenges in getting certain things done, and it's up to us to help. You or the CMO to figure out how to actually implement these these insights, so that you can really, really drive the drive the business forward.
1: I encourage everybody to go to LinkedIn, look up Guy's profile, and you'll see a very impressive, if you will, resume of uh, Guy' your career. But what interests me perhaps even more is not always the what uh, someone's done, but why they've done it. So. What has happened in your personal life, in your professional career that you would look back on and say, the reason I'm doing what I'm doing today with ProRelevant really goes back to these things that happened in my past? What would those be for you?
2: Yeah, thank you, Jay. Uh, uh, you know, that's where uh, uh, I was a CMO. And, uh, and uh, yes, my butt was on the line. And when the sales guys couldn't make their numbers you know, they'd come to me and say, how come you're not generating leads for me? Why, isn't they, why aren't the phones ringing off the hook? And, uh, and so one time, uh, I, you know, I was saying, well, why don't I just uh, see if I can get more money in my budget and see what happens? So I go to the CEO and he says, I said, hey, listen, I want to get, you know, I want to increase my budget by a handful of million dollars. And he says, guy, why would I ever invest more in marketing when I can get more money out of sales? And, uh, and that question right there, uh, really just stabbed me in the heart. I'll tell you. And I go, Oh, damn. <laughs> you know, four letter word, you know, how am I going to answer that question? So, you know, I put on my consulting hat and, uh, and then I started to change how marketing was, uh, accounting for its actions, how marketing was measuring its actions and then how marketing was then tying sales to them. And, uh, it took me about six months. But that then led me to really be able to answer that question. Why should I invest a you know, million dollars in you, Guy, when I can invest it somewhere else? And I said, well, here's why. And, then, and that led me to writing uh, my first book, Return on Marketing Investment. That led to my second book, my third book, my fourth, and then now my fifth. But it was that one thing that really just stabbed me in the heart. And I said, oh, man, I got to figure this out. So and that was it. This,
1: from my perspective, is the start of a great conversation. And I know, Guy, there are plenty of folks in our audience that would like to continue that discussion with you. What is the best way for them to reach out to you?
2: Absolutely. Um, You can go to uh, my website at ProRelevant.com. You can email me at gpowell at ProRelevant.com. Either one of those. And uh, and I'll be uh, looking forward to uh, talking with you and uh, and seeing how we can help you to move forward in your in your quest to really drive revenue from marketing.
1: Now, a little inside tip for those that are going to reach out to Guy, when you do so, I want you to ask Guy why he's so fixated about pirates and what does pirates have to do with his Business. Now, I'm not going to tell you that answer, but I want you to ask Guy when you reach out. That alone will make the conversation worthwhile. I promise you. Now, Guy, I just love to keep raising the ante. So you've given us great business insight. Check that box. We're going to have a whole bunch of people finding out what's really going on with your fixation with pirates. Tick that box. But I think we need one more box because all good things come in threes. Guy, what is it that you can offer our audience as a gift for reaching out to you?
2: Uh, as I mentioned, I've got a new book coming out and, uh, but you know, just getting the book probably isn't good enough. Uh, why don't we, uh, I've, uh, let's do a, uh, you know, a one hour workshop. Uh, we'll call it the, um, the post-COVID marketing machine workshop, a one-hour workshop, and we'd love to have you on it.
1: Outstanding, okay. Three amazing reasons to reach out to Guy. Guy, I wanna thank you so much for being such a terrific guest on the Best Kept Secret show. To my audience, let's continue to crush it out there. Until next time.